in Colossians chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading in verse 2 and read on through verse 4. If you don't mind standing for just a moment in honor of the reading of the Word of God tonight, we'll begin in verse 2 and read on through verse 4, Colossians chapter 4. The Bible says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. You may be seated. Uh, when I read the scriptures as I was going through, just uh, looking for this evening and thinking about the message, I, I believe it's God's desire that we walk close with Him every day. I think part of that closeness or cl- the part of that walking with God or that closeness with God is a spirit of prayer. And I believe it starts obviously getting alone with God, But then throughout the day, what is your communication like with the Lord? And my prayer is that revival starts in our nation. I'm really praying about it tomorrow. I'm going to pray with all those pastors again. Uh, We're really uh, starting to get groups together. In fact, my heart was very warmed. Brother Turner called me the other day as I was coming back from Cincinnati. And he said, Brother Warnock, he said, I really can't uh, invest in in the meeting. But he said, what I will do is, he said, I'm going to get on the line with you and pray with you on Thursdays. So I was excited about that. And then secondly, he's going to start attending the meetings uh, that we have in May. And so he said he would be there for those. And so I'm excited about that. But I'm asking God to open the door. Uh, Brother Thomason down in Troy now said that he's willing to get involved, that uh, Brother Comfort's going to be up preaching a revival the week before that, uh, and that he would invite all of his people to come over. But in preparation for his revival, he wasn't able to invest time in it. But he'll be at the meetings. And I thought, man, this is great. So I'm praying for more pastors to get involved, and I'm praying for revival to come to Western Ohio. And uh, I ask the Lord to let it start right here, right here in Minster and Fort Laramie and uh, in New Bremen and uh, in St. Mary's. I'm just asking God to open up the door uh, for us. And so we will take every opportunity we can to then share the gospel. When I think about our relationship with Christ, I personally believe it's our most important relationship that we have. Now, I love my wife, (laughs) I think the world of my wife, I am so grateful to have a wife like I have and just the blessing she is to me and to our household and all that she does for me and the household and her relationship with the Lord personally. But the most important relationship that we have is our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're going to have a relationship with somebody, I would think you want to talk to them. Amen? If you're going to have a relationship with somebody, you ought to be able to talk with them. I'm thinking if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you ought to talk to him. You ought to have communication with him regularly. You ought to be able to speak to him daily. And and the challenge I have for you is that if we want to see revival come to our church, I think one of the things we have to do, or the key to it all as a church, is we need to be praying and talking to Jesus because he's the one that brings about revival. And, And I thought about how do you pray? And uh, do you pray for the Lord to provide you times of witnessing? How many of you would say in your heart, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many would say in your heart, I'm actually asking God to give me an opportunity to witness to someone, to share the gospel with them. I'm praying to God that he would do that. And and, and if we want to see God bring forth revival in our area, I believe that's something we ought to do. Now, Paul speaks here, and I want you to underline this in your Bible He said that God would open unto us, and here it is, the phrase, door of utterance. You ought to underline that in your Bible, door of utterance, that God would open unto us a door of utterance. A door of utterance is an opening for a short time. 
And then it has this idea that he says this, that open a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. He says this is then to take action. When that door opens, when that opportunity opens, that we would then take action, and that action is, is that we would actually speak to others about Christ, saying or expressing something aloud, proclaiming salvation in Christ. Now, it's evident by the scriptures that Paul is telling the church to pray consistently and to pray for him that God would give him opportunities. And so if you look, verse 2 says, continue in what? Prayer. So we're to continue in prayer. And notice in verse 3, he said, with all praying also for us. So he's asking for prayer, praying for them. And then notice this, he's asking then also that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. He's asking God to do several things here. And he's asking God to do this through the people. And so if our church is to see revival, it's going to happen through prayer and sharing the good news. You know what I asked for? Not just for snow. <laughs> I asked for God in the middle of all this cold weather that he'd bring a revival. It'd heat this place up, <laughs> wouldn't it? And, and just bring revival uh, in our time. Now, prayer, folks, leads to spiritual opportunities. I believe if you're sincere in your prayers to God, God sets forth opportunities before us. And I believe uh, the steps we are given is, one, to continue in prayer. That's the first thing. And then secondly, that we would have opportunities to witness. So the prayer is for opportunities to witness. And then thirdly, this, that once we have those opportunities to witness, that we speak a clear message, a clear message of the gospel. Notice Paul said that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. In other words, that it's apparent that I'm bringing forth this message of Christ. When you look at a word like continue, uh, this is the key to consistent prayer, is that you continue doing it. You don't stop. And so when I say that, I say, well, you know, I have to think of other things, Pastor. I have to work on my computer. I have to type stuff. I can't be constantly praying. But what I'm saying is throughout your day, are you in contact with Christ? In other words, does your day start with him? Do you speak to him throughout your day? And then do you have a time before you lay your head to the pillow that you talk to the Lord and our, our Savior, Jesus Christ. You have those moments. It is the idea of persistence in prayer. Now, I love this because when he says continue, he's not just talking about praying and not being aware. He's talking about the fact that there's an alertness to this praying. To continue in prayer, there's an alertness to it. Uh, it's being aware of the words that you speak. How many of you would admit at times you've been praying and you can't even remember what you were talking to God about? Anybody ever do that? And you just kind of ramble? How many of you have been talking to the Lord and you just doze off to sleep? Anybody ever do that? And you're just talking and all of a sudden, boom, you're gone. And, and you don't even remember speaking to the Lord in prayer. Now here's the thing, two parts to this. Notice this, continue in prayer, and the first thing is, and watch. <laughs> you want to underline that in your Bible. He said, be consistent in your prayers, be persistent in your prayers, but watch. Now when he uses the terminology watch, he's saying keep awake, <laughs> be vigilant, and, and I asked myself as I read this, so what am I watching for? What is it that I'd even be watching for? And, and I thought, well, when I speak to him and he responds to me through his word and then opportunities throughout the day present themselves, I'll be aware and prepared when it comes my way. 
I'll know those people whom God has brought before my path. I'm watching. Well, what am I watching for? For opportunities to witness, for opportunities to be an encouragement to other people, for opportunities to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he says watch, he's saying keep awake, be vigilant, and, and watching for an opportunity to serve others or to lead others to Christ. And believe me, this meant something to Jesus because he spoke of this multiple times in the Gospels. He said in Matthew 26, 41, he said, watch and pray. So he's saying, be vigilant in your prayers. Know what you're talking to God about. And he said, watch and pray. Notice this, that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He said, we need to be vigilant in our prayer times. We need to be alert at what we're talking about. Because what can come upon us is even temptations can enter into our lives. And he said, watch and pray. In Mark 13, 33, he said, take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. <laughs> Man, I want to get caught in prayer when Jesus shows up. I either want to be preaching or praying. That'd be wonderful to do, right? I don't want to be arguing with my wife. I don't want to be beating my dog. And I don't want to be working on my truck. And I don't want to be watching uh, some TV program that's worthless. Amen? I, I want to be in prayer or preaching. And I've asked God that. Let me be praying or preaching. Now, uh, the thing of it is, is that what is it that you desire to do when he comes? Because we don't know when the time is. We always think we know or we think we got control over all things around us. And we do not. A and the thing is, is we have no idea when he's going to show up. Now, Paul said, continue in prayer. Be persistent in your prayer life. Jesus told us, you don't know when the time is, so you need to take heed and watch and pray. In Luke 12, 37, 38, he said, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. <laughs> when he comes, he'll find them watching. Now, listen, if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. He said, man, you are happy if ye, he shows up in either the first, second, or third watch and he finds you praying. You're going to be one happy camper. And the thing of it is, is that he tells us, Paul telling us right here in Colossians, listen, continue in prayer. Watch. That means be vigilant. In your prayer time, be, be alert. Know what you're speaking to God about. And, and something that we need to be aware of, whether we're praying in public or praying in private, we need to think about the words that we're speaking to our Heavenly Father. We need not just ramble. You see, he speaks of vain repetition. Now, when we think about that, we think about other religions and think that vain repetition is them just saying some prayer over and over again. I want to tell you, vain repetition is me speaking and not knowing anything that I'm saying to God, and I just keep repeating it over and over again. That's vain, isn't it? Because it's empty. And so I need to be aware of what I'm speaking to him about. So not only did he tell us to watch, but secondly, he says this. He said, continue in prayer and watch in the same. Notice this phrase now, with what? Thanksgiving. That's having the right attitude of gratitude toward our Savior. When you're speaking, you're talking to him, and we ought to have a language that's full of thankfulness. We should be going to God in gratitude for all that he's done for us. How many of you know 1 Thessalonians 5.18? If I just say it, anybody can just spout it off? How about if I start this? In, in everything what? Yeah, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give what? Thanks. Now notice this, continue in prayer and watch in the same with what? Thanksgiving. So our circumstances should not dictate our heart. Our circumstances should not dictate our heart. 
We should be able to go to God in prayer with what? Thanksgiving. Knowing that I am walking with Him, so anything that may enter into my life, first of all, I can thank Him for it, and secondly, I can follow through because of who He is, not because of what I'm capable of. Now, let me share this story with you right quick. I've gotten a friend who's uh, looking, uh, he's, he's going to take a pastorate elsewhere, uh, but I've gotten some calls from some pastors and some deacons lately, and they've been talking to me, and, and they've asked me about the character of this young man. And, and when I think of him, one thing comes to my mind, and it's this. In the midst of a trial, the hardest time that I can think of was that his wife, his sister-in-law, and his newborn son were in a horrible car accident. We were moving chairs from one location to another, and I was pastoring. And this young man gets in my, it comes up to me, and he said, Pastor, he said, listen, he said, I just want to share with you, I need to go right away. I just received a call. My wife, my sister-in-law, and Hudson were in a horrible car accident, and I don't know what's happened. And when we arrived on the scene, <laughs> the car, we could see it from a distance, was broken in half. One half of the car was sitting in the yard of one house, and the back end of the car was in another yard in another, at another house. And this young man, before we left the church building, he got in my truck, <laughs> and he said, Pastor, in everything, give thanks, right? He said, can we pray? He had no idea what had happened. He only knew that they were in a terrible car accident. When we arrived, I saw those two cars sitting in, that one car sitting in two locations. I mean, I could feel myself welling up. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? You could feel it coming on, and you're thinking, oh my goodness. His son was in the back seat. His wife and his sister-in-law are in the front seat. <laughs> and the car's in two locations. Now I want to tell you, when he told me that she was in an accident, I did not have the first thought of, in everything, give what? But he did. When we got down there and we got on the scene, the police wouldn't let us get up there. So we still hadn't seen Elizabeth and Amy and Hudson yet. We couldn't see him. And when we got up there, they were holding us back. They told me I had to leave. They grabbed James. James said, this is my wife and my family. The cop said, I don't care who you are. Get out of here. That's what he said to him. And James maintained a good spirit. Finally, we got word, and they let us through. Amy's head had gone through the windshield. Elizabeth had had the steering wheel hit her in the chest. Hudson was in his car seat and was perfectly fine. <laughs> but I'll never forget that young man turning to me and saying, in the midst of a great trial, how many of you would admit, without knowing, anybody with me? You know nothing. And he said, Pastor, in everything, do what? He relied on God's word. Now, I share that with you 
Because the Bible says in Philippians 4, 6, which we've memorized, amen? How many of you have it memorized? Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God, right? So I share with you this. This life brings with it difficulties, but in these circumstances, we have to thank the Lord. Have a thankful heart toward our Savior. And, and that happens, I believe, if we remain in close contact with God. Remain in prayer with Him on a regular basis. Prayer as a Christian should not only be a characteristic, but a persistent practice. Let me share this with you. Evangelist Keith Noss said this. He said, men never learn to pray in public. Men never learn to pray in public. He said, they learn in private. If we are never in Gethsemane, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. If, if we're never in Gethsemane, when alone, we shall not find our way there with the crowd. In other words, we need to learn how to pray in private, don't we? We need to learn how to really get alone with God. He said, continue in prayer and watch with thanksgiving. And so we have to come with this attitude. We need to get hold of the heart of God, continue in prayer. You think about Elijah and our Savior Christ praying earnestly. And we can pray earnestly for God to do something and watch Him do it. And the thing that I've been praying for is revival to come to this area. I've been praying consistently, daily, since I walked through the doors of Calvary Chapel Baptist Church in August of 2015. I've been praying and begging God for revival to come here. And I'm asking, and listen, it's not that God has not heard me or has given up on me, nor have I given up on God. God can bring forth revival, and He will do so in His time. But I don't believe we give up or quit. D.L. Moody said about revival, it's not when people come here to hear the singing or preaching, but when they come to pray that we have a sure sign of a coming harvest. <laughs> It's when people begin to pray that we see a sure sign. It's not the singing. It's not the preaching. And that's what people think sometimes is the most important. But one of the most important things that we can do as a church body is be a people of prayer. And I believe God will open up that door of utterance. Pray for the Lord to provide you times of witnessing that he could bring forth revival. God will give you an occasion to share the gospel. Notice what he says here. He says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving with all praying also for us. And here's what he's asking for. And I ask this of our church. Pray that God would open a door of utterance for this man standing here right now, but that he would open a door of utterance for Calvary Chapel, period. And the Bible says, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. We should also be in prayer that God would give us opportunity to speak of Christ. That door of utterance is a portal. It's an entrance of divine expression. It's to be able to utter the words or speak or say or preach the word of Christ. And he's saying, would you pray with us or for me that God would open that door of utterance that we might be able to reach folks with the gospel, an opportunity to speak of Christ. When I think about it, it's an honor because the scriptures teach you and me something about our relationship with God. He said that you and I are ambassadors for Christ. Now, how many of you watched any of the hearing today? Anybody watch that on Fox? There were two ambassadors sitting there on behalf of the U.S., and I could have said nice things about them. 
And I thought to myself, if those are ambassadors on behalf of the United States, I would really be sorry to see who's against us. As I read this, we are ambassadors for Christ. <laughs> Amen? And when I look at this as ambassadors for Christ, it says, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's deed, be reconciled to God. Ambassadors, representatives for our Savior, and our desire should be to His will and not our own. And, you know, you get the impression that some of those folks in Washington, D.C. work on behalf of their own will and not the will of the people. You could say amen at the end of that one. That's right, isn't it? And the thing of it is, is that we're not here to work on our behalf. We're here to work beyond the will before, or for the will of God. Not for our own will, but for the will of God. If I'm an ambassador to Christ, as God says I am, then I'm not here for my own. Every opportunity that you have to speak of Christ, you should make the most of it because the opportunity may not present itself a second time. How many of you know the story of Peter in the book of Acts where God told him to go over and witness to a fellow, and Peter said, no. <laughs> Basically, he went up on the rooftop. God put him into a trance. And he sits up there, and it's like God pulled down a video screen in front of him and showed him some things, and he said that I won't have the unclean thing. I won't eat of the unclean thing. And he was trying to get him to go over to Cornelius. And so God had a plan for him, and Peter got a second chance. Sometimes we don't get a second chance. We don't get that second opportunity, but when it's presented to us, we ought to do it and not out of reluctance. When we are sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, God will guide our heart and our mind to share the message of Christ with others. Opportunities. I believe God sets up circumstances and makes it possible for us. If we'll pray for it, I think he'll set up circumstances. I think he will give us opportunities. Myself and Junior personally were praying at one point for revival to come to uh, Colonial Beach down there and as we were praying for that uh, opportunity to come, uh, God began to open up a door. This guy, Greg, came to our church, and I'd never seen him before. Greg told me he was saved. He started attending church, and God really used him in, 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 a, in a fashion and in a way. We began praying and praying with him, and he was praying that we could witness to his family and everything. And so I get a phone call, and he says, we, we, I want you to come over to the house. I've got some people here I want you to witness to. I walked into that house. There were seven people sitting there smoking like a fiend. I thought I was going to choke to death and die. And I mean, everyone, I mean, there was a haze hanging over the house like you wouldn't believe. And Greg said, I brought you over here. I want you to tell these people how to get saved. And all seven of them sat there. And Junior was with me. And I walked out of that place, and four of those seven people prayed and asked Christ to save them. And I mean, it's just amazing. But God did that. Now, I had to get rid of my coat after I left, but... But the thing of it is, is that God opened that door of opportunity. And what I'm sharing with you is, is that if we'll pray for those opportunities, if we'll be vigilant, are you with me? We'll watch and pray. We'll continue in prayer. We'll be persistent in it. And we'll come to this place asking God to provide us opportunity. I think he'll do it. And do not reject the chance, but allow the Spirit to guide your thoughts and your words to reach a person with the gospel. Listen, we get fearful, and we let that fear overtake us, and God hath not given us a spirit of what? Fear, but of power and of a sound mind, hasn't he? 
And so God says, I provide you with something, and that something that I provide you with gives you opportunity to share the gospel with people. His relationship with the Lord was so close that he would not and could not resist taking the opportunity to witness. I believe he really understood what he said in Galatians 2.20. He said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ that what? Liveth in me. I believe he believed that. He would testify the mystery of Christ. This mystery is a secret, something that was misunderstood in a part of the Old Testament, but with Christ coming, it's now unveiled. We can now see this mystery. And by the way, it's revealed to us. It's no longer a mystery. Paul was saying the mystery of Christ has been solved. Amen? It's over. And listen, may God allow us the opportunity to make it apparent to other people that Christ has come. You have a cure for something. You know, folks, we have the good news. We have the gospel. We have the cure for eternal death in our hands. And it's called eternal life, but it's through Jesus Christ. Amen? And God gives us opportunities. Now, here's the thing. How many of you will pray that God will give you opportunity? You see, a Christ-centered life will do that for you. A Christ-centered life will cause you to want to pray and seek out people and ask for opportunities. And God will provide them. I promise you He'll provide them. He will give you someone to come across your path. He'll set up the circumstances. He'll give you opportunity. And when he does, are you going to be spiritually prepared to just allow that door of utterance, that moment in time, those circumstances are set up for you so that you, not pastor, you can share the gospel with someone. And so the thing is, is we have to come to that place that if we want to see revival, we have to take advantage of those opportunities. Know the good news and speak it plainly to anyone who will listen. When I read this, Paul said that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, that I may make it apparent, that I may make it clear, that I may make it open, that I might bring it to light, that I might be able to show people, that I might be able to share it, that they might be able to understand it. When he's making it manifest, he's bringing it to light. And he says, as I ought to speak, speaking of what or who? Well, Christ, it's obvious. Part of witnessing is speaking the message clearly, but it's also how you live. You know, how you live speaks volumes sometimes to people beyond what you say. The, how you live your life speaks volumes beyond what you say sometimes. The words you speak don't match the life you live. And, and so we need to make sure that the words I speak and the life I live, they start to match up. You say, well, I can't do that. I don't have an ability. You're absolutely right. You need Christ to help you live the life that you need to live. So that the words that you speak match the life that you live. And the thing of it is, we ought to not just sit back and say, well, it's impossible. No, I ought to strive for holiness in my life. I ought to strive for righteousness in my life. I ought to strive for those things. And I'm going to do that through Christ Jesus and that my life and my words match. They begin to match. 1 Peter 3.15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Peter is stating, keep yourself clean and tell others about Christ. Keep yourself clean and tell other people about Jesus. <laughs> keep yourself clean and, and tell folks about Christ. People not only hear the words, but watch your lives. And so listen, it can deter the lost, but it also can hinder the saved when we don't live the way we ought to, when we don't speak the way we ought to, when we don't behave the way that we ought to. It, it, it sometimes it turns the lost off and hinders the saved. And so we need to be conscientious of that. In 1 Peter 2.12, having your conversation, your life, your lifestyle, honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, 
which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. I'm sharing with you that Paul said that I may make it manifest. Continue. Be persistent in your prayers. Watch and pray. Be on alert when you're speaking to God. Asking Him, not only for yourselves to reach somebody, but that you would open a door of utterance, an opportunity for us as a church body to reach the lost to the gospel, and then that we can make that message clear, and that our life and our lifestyles don't deter people from coming, but that they engross people and they say, well, what is it that's going on over there? What is happening? And they come, and that we're able to glorify God. Now, here's the thing. Brother Dustin just taught a class, and, and I share this with you. Know the Romans road. And you say, what are you talking about, preacher? I don't even know what you're talking about. Know the Romans road. Know how to lead someone to Christ is what I'm saying. Know how to do that. Uh, either know that or a plan to lead others to Christ. Know how to lead someone to Christ. And you do that through the Scriptures. And you do that through the Scriptures. <laughs> you do that by using your Bible to teach others what it means that they're lost, they're in sin and on their way to hell, and they need to get saved. The Bible teaches that. And you need to know how to teach someone how to get to heaven. And so we call it the Romans road, but it's truthfully the Word of God. It's the Scriptures that teach people how to get saved. And so that you might lead others to Christ by the gospel message, but also have a testimony that would glorify your Savior based on your deeds. In Matthew 5, 16, he said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. People ought to be able to look at your life. Not just the words that come out of your mouth. They ought to be able to look at your life and say, you know what? There's something different about that person. There's something different about them. And they are drawn to Christ, not you. They're drawn to Christ because you have a testimony for Him in your life. Now, He tells us to speak a clear message in word and in deed. So, this ties into this exact book right here. If you're in chapter 4, just look over at verse 17. In chapter 3, look at verse 17. And what does it say there in verse 17? And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Look at what it says. Giving what? Thanks to God and the Father by Him. You know, no matter what we're saying or what we're doing, it ought to glorify God. And he tells us in other passages, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Our life, our lifestyle, our attitude, our spirit, our actions, our words, and our life and our lifestyle ought to match up, and it ought to testify of Jesus Christ. This is the challenge then, to not only speak the gospel, but to live the gospel. And I believe this will lead to spiritual opportunities for reaching the lost. As a church body, I'm challenging us tonight can we pray consistently? Pray consistently. Continue in prayer, asking God to bring forth revival. You say, preacher, I don't know how that's going to happen. I know. Isn't that something? <laughs> we actually have to depend on God. <laughs> Isn't that something? We can't depend on ourselves. We must depend on God. What a great place to be. And so we're going to depend on God that we may win souls. Now, over the next few days, Brother Duke and I are going to meet tomorrow. And I have a list of 29 names, somewhere around there, 30 maybe. Nine of those people have already professed salvation. And you know, folks, we need some help. We need some help. Brother Duke and his family are going to go, but he's given us prospects that we can go to and talk to them. 
I need some of you men to partner with me and maybe go with me because Brother Duke's not going to be here. <laughs> maybe some of you ladies can get together and go and, and visit. Maybe some of you men can get together and go and visit. Maybe someone can just partner with me and go and visit. But we need to go to these places because there's opportunities there. There is a door of utterance. Are you with me tonight? There is a door of utterance, a time that's open unto us. And I'm challenging all of us as we come and we talk with you, let's go get these folks. And don't just make a visit and say, well, they weren't home. <laughs> so that's the end of it. No, we go back and we go back until they're home or until we get in contact with them or until they say, if you come here again, I'm going to put a shotgun up your nose. You know what I mean? But we keep going and take opportunity as God provides it. Let's pray.